Hallelujah. Good morning, Valley Community Church. Good morning, all that are watching. I really sense the Holy Spirit inviting me to come here this morning to remind you that God is for you. God is for you. So many things in life take place. Tribulation takes place in this world. Great things take place in this world for us. In all cases, God is for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the Lord. Everything. That's where we're at. We are loved by God. Every aspect of your life is covered by the gracious love of God. God is love. Everything he does is from love because that's who he is. The world tells you things opposite. But the love of God absolutely overwhelms all things. And he's given you the power to handle that. Sickness and disease in Jesus' name, you leave our bodies now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Family situations that are not in line with the Word of God, you leave right now in Jesus' name. Confusion of who we are, that demonic influence, I reject that in Jesus' name. You are a child of God walking in the blessings of God and the favor of God. That's what God wants me to remind you about. So, here we are. We are diving into our discipleship program again. We have our Bible study that has returned tonight. We are gathering together. We are close. We are church. We're describing what love conveyed, the church. And we're gathering together. If you have not signed up for OSL... Do it, and I'm not trying to do a commercial here. I'm trying to tell you that there is something different happening in the kingdom of God, and it's falling out of heaven into this world. And we are able to do this. So I'm going to pray for you before we dive in the Word of God, and I'm going to ask you now. I'm going to say this, okay, because I have to. If you are comfortable with it, join the hands of those that are next to you. If you're not, that's okay. In Jesus' name, Satan, you have confused the church of the honor and the respect that is to be given to the church. That honor and respect given to the church, that is the real church. What love conveyed, what love produced out of that love rose up the church. And now in Jesus' name, at Valley Community Church, all of those that join us from around the world, in Jesus' name, we say yay and amen to the church and the truth of what love did 
when Jesus was crucified and rose again on the third day, and that love for us produced an ability to do all things in Christ Jesus. And I give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord an applause, would you? Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Oh, man, I can't wait till our barbecue, the word, the food, everything that's going to take place. We are excited about that. Every one of you, invite your friends, your family, uh, all the dads that you know, because we're going to celebrate dads that day, and it's going to be a really uh, very special time, very emotional time for all of us. We began a series last week, and I titled the series, Love Conveyed. We talked last week in how what love produced. And we have a tendency as the body of Christ, the church, to rightfully so describe what Christ did, his love for us, the Father's love for us, in producing salvation. And then when you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you become born again. You have the ability to walk in the victory of the resurrection, the power of the resurrection. But I want you to understand that love produced more. You as a people, everybody on the face of the earth that are born physically, God's desire is for us to be born again spiritually. And from that, he produced things out of love. And we found last week that one of the major things that were produced out of love, not out of need, but out of love, was the church. And we began describing what this church is. And, and the church is not the building, even though we are housed in buildings in many instances to have our corporate worship. But what we found is that the church is the presence of God. When you become born again, the presence of God houses in your spirit. The Holy Spirit is there. So God is always with you. You are never alone. 24-7, God is with you. And so the church, in the conveying of this love, is his presence. It is the power of his presence in us. Uh, we found that a lot of times we go to church because we, uh, you know, we love the teaching. Great. We go to church because we love the worship. Great. We love the church because we love the people that are there. We have great friends, and true, we are. We're brothers and sisters. All of that is true. But we found that you don't really have church until you grasp or experience the presence of God. It's all the above of the word, the worship, everything, but experiencing. Church is about experiencing the presence of God, being with God. That's why in Genesis 28 that I brought to you that this is really the introduction of the church, the house of God, the presence of God, and who we are. And we know Acts chapter 2, the New Testament church, but I just want to tell you the principle of church, the presence of God, basking in his presence is, has taken place from the beginning. And let's read the scripture again. We're not going to describe a lot of this. We're going to give you some examples that you can grab a hold of it and recognize it and, and literally begin to see the next step you can take to really experience the presence of God. We uh, remember the story from last week, and many times we've read this. Genesis 28, verse 10 says, Now Jacob went out from Beersheba, 
and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set, and he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and it, its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. So we talked about the, your prayers being answered, the angels bringing uh, the prayers from heaven that you've given to heaven, bringing the answers down to the earth. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants, making a covenant with, with Jacob. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, look, recognize, I am with you. There you go. And will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you till I have done what I have spoken to you. God is going to finish what he's promised each one of us. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And we, we described how that in many instances we'll go places and, and his presence is there. One of the reasons, because you're there, because you have God in you. But we, we, we go to places and, and we try to feel the presence instead of knowing the presence is there. Feeling is a part of that. It's emotional. It, it is spiritual. It's emotional. It's all the above. It's active. It's clapping. It's singing. It's rejoicing in worship. Because basically this series is describing worship. Understanding the house of God. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on the top of it. Notice all the symbols throughout this series. We'll be talking, going back to the symbolic things here, and explaining that these symbolic things are really our life what God does with us. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. And notice God's house, and he'll give a tenth. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But again, let me go back to this again. He said, God, your presence was here, and I didn't know it. And that's why he called it the house of God. The pillar is literally to remind him of God's presence. Church, we must understand every time we gather, every time we, we go into our prayer closet, we're in our car praying, whatever it may be, the presence of the Lord is there. A reminder that you're not alone, that he's there. Experience God in this way. So we asked the questions last week, and we'll get to what we're going to talk about in a moment. But the questions that we ask is, what is church? What is a worship experience? And a lot of people, you know, oh, worship experience was so amazing. Yes, there's emotional, there's spiritual, all these different things. But really, what is a worship experience? Another question, what does God expect when we say, we're going to church? Not get dressed, brush your teeth, and eat your, you know, eat your eggs. What should you expect when you attend church? Is it the programs? It's included. 
Is it what pastor says or maybe in between that the Holy Spirit moves? And if I don't feel that emotion, is really God here? Is the Holy Spirit really here? Is he really moving? See, all these questions, because we hear those great spiritual, and I'm going to say it, cliches. And I'm just trying to tell you that there is something real about the house of God. There's something real about the church. And the church has lost some of the respect and honor for the church. Not because we desire to do so, it's because we've never really known what it meant to have church. This whole series will help us understand. We spoke of Bethel. We, we read that. Remember, Bethel means the house of God. Genesis 28, again, is really where the church is described. Last week, I gave you the first truth, giving us understanding of the church, because this is part two of last week. So the first thing we learned last week was church is a connection. Church is a place where you connect with God. Of course, you can do that everywhere else. But God has planned for a corporate thing to take place where we connect with God. Church is becoming aware of the presence of God. This morning, about 20 minutes to 6, I came early because I really, I wanted to pray because my heart, my spirit is broken because I've recognized the, the, uh, the dissection of really, of going to church and what going to church really is. How there's a cavern there and people don't really recognize it. And I spent about 30 minutes praying and coming against demonic force and confusion so that the church will rise up again and become that church that understood that it was for all people. Remember Acts chapter 2. They were praying in tongues. And if you understand scripturally, tongues can be a heavenly language or it can be a language of the day. They heard them praising God in their known language. So what it, it means is that church is about everybody. It's about us coming together, all being in the presence of God and experiencing God. Having church is sitting in your presence, in his presence. When I walked in, I sensed the presence of the Lord, not because of the building, not because of a, of a worship song that was sung last week, and, and that heaviness of, of presence of God and the anointing of God was still lingering. I'm not, you know, and you hear those things in church language, but I'm just telling you, I sense the presence of God because where I go, God goes. Where God goes, I go. And his presence is here. And as I was praying and I was seeking God and I was praying for you and I spent time and just as I walked through the sanctuary to my office, I just looked around and I recognized that this house was going to have God's house in here. He's going to have it's going to have people here, men and women, boys and girls that love Jesus. And I was praying, God, open our eyes, our spirit, to the things of the Lord, to his presence, and how good it is to be with the Lord. Just one day is better than a thousand years with the Lord. Just one day. And we get to experience it every day if we understand that's what church is about. So let me explain a little bit more today and let's go to our second point of what is church or the church. Church is a conversation too. It's not only a connection with God, but it's a conversation with God. Once you connect with God, he wants to talk with you. God again is for you. 
God wants to talk to you. Notice God spoke to Jacob, and Jacob spoke back to God. God wants that. That's what church is. You hearing God, whether it's through scripture of teaching of the word of God, but in essence, in your spirit, you're hearing God. As you are experiencing and connecting with God, you are also hearing what he's saying to you. And I want to tell you, every single day, he's for you. That's church. If you don't connect with God, you didn't go to church. You might have been here. You might have worshiped. You might have had tears in your eyes because the song reminded you of something. If you don't connect with God, again, you didn't go to church. And if you don't have a conversation with him, if you didn't talk to him and him you, you didn't go to church. What I believe, what God, the Holy Spirit is showing me regarding, because I, I do move in the prophetic and I, I do move in, in the things of what God is doing in the latter days, in the beginning of the latter days, where the Holy Spirit is just on, on everybody, just pouring out. And that's happening now. I sense the Holy Spirit saying the beginning stage is bringing the church back to the church. Bringing the church back to the love that you have for gathering together with believers and for one another. Of doing that in your neighborhood, of, of speaking to other believers and encouraging and, and speaking over them, the anointing and the presence of God. So when I gather with believers, I sense and experience God. Church is the house of God. It is where God lives and it's where God speaks. And we all must re regain our respect for the church. It's more than the building. When God spoke to Moses to build the tabernacle, this is what God said to him. We're talking about church's conversation. Exodus 25, 22. And there, he's talking to Moses, and there I will meet with you and I will speak to you. Let me just say it this way. Here is where God wants to meet you and speak with you. And if we grasp a hold of that truth and that understanding of church, then we will come early and stay late. We will bask in, I'm going to say it, the sunlight of the presence of God. Because God doesn't need sun to bring light. He is saying to Moses, I will connect with you and I will speak with you. Moses, we're going to have a conversation. So here's what you can do as you are walking down the sidewalk and into the foyer. You can say, God, I'm here to have a conversation with you. And I know you want to talk with me. So let me talk about this conversation because I believe it's really important in this part. Let me give you three important ways God could speak during church. And he very often does. And to me, these are the three things that he does in most cases. And of course, there are other ways. <clears throat> we talk about gifts of the Spirit, all the different things where, you know, your brother or sister walks up to you and, and they speak a word over you. God's speaking to you through them. But here's the first one. And here's another one which causes people to not like church not want to be a part of church, and not experience the presence of God. The first way of conversation that God has with us is correction. Now, right away you go, ah, I don't like correction. Did you know that most people don't like to be corrected? Now, of course, all of you are like this, and you're looking, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. I want you to put your phone up and take a selfie. 
We don't like correction. But let me tell you, love conveys correction. And love is good. So correction is good. So if you are traveling down the God's will road and you make a wrong turn, God has set up conversation as the person who will tell you you're going the wrong way. That ever, have you ever experienced that? You know you're going the wrong way? And you thought it was the pizza you ate the night before, but no, it was God speaking to you? You need to turn around. There are times that I have experienced in church, having church, prayer closet, that God corrected me. It wasn't that I wasn't going out and doing this awful sin or anything, but he corrected me. It was like a GPS. He was, he was recalculating my thinking and my thoughts so I would move in the right direction. So God has set up conversation to correct, to turn you around. Well, if you're heading for L.A. County, fair. All right, how, how many of you have done this? You've gone to a place that you haven't gone before or they've changed the way things are. You've gone in there and you drive in, you don't know where you're to go. And you're going the wrong way and there's this smiley guy with a sign, go that way. And, 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 and you're looking at him and uh, probably most of you don't go, oh, I can't believe you're telling me to go that way. I'm going this way. This is the way I'm going to go. I don't want you to correct me. You shut up. You ever done that? No, no, you haven't. See, is that attendant who's trying to help you to correct where you're going, a bad guy? No. Is he mean? No. He's your friend. Somewhere in the Bible, it's there that Jesus is our friend. And he wants to talk with you because there are times he knows your past, present, and future. And he wants to bring correction into the ways you're going, the way you're thinking. But see, when you go to church and all of a sudden the, the pastor says something or the worship leader says something, and you, I don't agree with that. Well, maybe you're just being corrected. And maybe we need to understand of, hey, I want love conveyed to me. I want God to love me today, even if he corrects me. Hmm. So please hear me. When God says to you, you're going the wrong direction, he really is your friend and he loves you. When he says the relationship you're in is not going to take you where you want to go, Some people will say, oh, but she's pretty. He's handsome. She is. He is. But that's not going to take you to your destiny. Amen. I'm going to just uh, open up with you and let you know that did you know that when I was in Bible college, I was engaged to be married? to someone else? <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> and that lovely person thought because of her experience of church that she couldn't handle going in the ministry with me. and wanted me to step aside from the call of God that God had called me to. So I spent a couple days of my younger days of anger and hurt and all the different things. She doesn't want to do this. And heard from God bringing correction to me. I have a different plan for her as I have with you. So the next day, took her out to dinner and we had a long conversation 
broke off the engagement, and about a year and a half later, Terry came into my life. <laughs> 41, almost 42 years later, Terry's still in my life. Amen. Not that I couldn't make life good because I love Jesus. But there are times the Lord wants to bring correction in your life. So we must come to a place that there is nothing wrong with God speaking correction in our lives. There is nothing wrong with when there's a sermon spoke or there's a song sung and it's bringing correction that your first instinct is to, like that, you gotta understand that's love being conveyed. That's the love of God. It produces you having a spiritual GPS. And I'm going to show you today uh, a few others. Because of time, I'm going to fly through it. But I want you to just keep following me. To all, all, all you young people, hey, I want to tell you, you know, man, love is love. And you fall head over heels for things. What is God saying to you? Have you experienced the presence of God? Are you experiencing conversation with God, him talking to you and you talking to him? Because if that happens, correction comes, and then you begin to see this powerful thing called the straight and narrow road that will take you to your destiny. That's what love produces. When you're in worship, it's very common that the Lord says in this area of your life, you're going in the wrong direction. Here's the second thing regarding uh, conversation. Almost sounds the same, but I'm going to show you it's different. He will speak direction. Not only he'll bring correction, but he'll, he'll bring direction in the correction. And I'm a poet and didn't know it. It's like if you're driving into a small town and you're going to go to this, another fair, because we're county fair people. And you're going to the fair, but you've never been in this small town. And it's a town that's just so small, you, you don't know. And so you're driving, and, and you stop at a red light, and this guy's standing on the corner, of the, and, and he sees all of you trying to get on your phones. But a lot of times in these small towns, how many of you have been in a small town, and there's no reception? And, and you don't have reception. You're talking, and it's like, where do we turn? What do we do? And, and the guy goes like this. He goes, he goes, uh, he said, I notice you guys have all your phones in your hands to your ears. You get no reception in our, our town. Where, where are you trying to go? And you said, well, we're trying to go to the, the fair. He said, oh, okay. Well, you just go down this road two miles, and there's a Walmart, and at Walmart, make a left. That's how they give directions in the South, by the way. Everything's by where the Walmart is. Anyways. And, 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 and you, go, you go left and then go straight down that road of a quarter mile and that's where it will be. See, that's what God wants to do. He's going to give you direction if you are listening to the conversation and asking him questions. But a lot of times in church, we again think that the presence of the Lord or the anointing of God is because we really like the worship song or we really like the topic of the, of the sermon and wasn't God there. And let me, let me tell you, again, if you really think that the presence of God is not here, you're not having church because he's here. So what's wrong with that, what's wrong with God giving us direction? There's nothing wrong. That's what the Lord wants to do. He wants, he doesn't want confusion. The Bible tells us that confusion is of the enemy. He's the author of confusion. So another question, how many times in life do you need direction? How many times in life, where to go, which job to take, what to do with the kids' education, where to rent a home, where to buy a home, what home to buy. There's a lot of decisions in this world. 
And God is there, his presence, to have conversation with you, to give you direction. Not only correction, but give you direction. So you come into the presence of God, you make connection with him, and God speaks something in your life. He might say, wrong direction, just turn around. But because we struggle with correction, a lot of times God has to almost cause you to run into a wall before we'll turn around. But he might say, you know what you've been asking me about? Watch this direction. You know what you've been asking me about for the past year? He says, I want to tell you, now what I want you to do, because I know all things, it's time, it's the season. I want you to go that way. And about half a mile down the road, you're going to experience the answer to your prayer. See, that's the love of God conveyed. That's the church. That's what church is about. Churches, you know, hey, I have a great, I've had, Great! I remember a youth pastor running youth camps. Hundreds and hundreds of kids running around. I was young then. I could run around with them and do all the things with them, swim, play baseball, all the different things with them. And, and, you know, what a great time that was. But young people, I want you to know, I was in the same boat. I was young. and, And I didn't grasp. No one taught me what the real church is what the real house of God is. It's the presence of the Lord and God brings in conversation. He wants to talk to you. You are a person, no matter where you're at, he'll talk to you before you're born again. He'll talk to you right after you're born again and he'll talk to you 50 years later because that's what love is. But he might say, you know what you've been asking me? Go down the road. There it is. Here's your answer. But how many times do we not get the answer because we don't understand church? We don't understand that God's talking to us. We don't understand it, that God wants us to talk to him. God wants us to, to relay things Um, our hurts, our struggles. Oh, you should have have seen me in those few days after I broke that up and a couple months after that. I actually went to our house mom and had her pray with me on a daily basis because I was getting ticked at God. I was getting ticked at people And I was even saying to the Lord, you know what, God? I thought I heard your voice. And now what are you doing? You know? And and I I contemplated leaving Bible college. I contemplated leaving the ministry because I'm not going to live my whole life in this kind of stuff. All that's hurt and all those different things. And that's what people do in church. We get hurt We have things, we get corrected, we have to do U-turns, we have to uh, go to the right, go to the left, and all these things and conversation, and after we're angry, we don't even hear God because we're not seeking his presence. We don't want to be in his presence. Remember what Jacob said? The presence of God was here, and I didn't even know it. That's why he called Bethel. That's why I call it the house of God. It was Luz. I'm going to tell you in a moment what Luz means. Hmm. Here's the third of conversation. He will give inspiration. In church, worship the presence of God. In God's presence, it will inspire you to keep going. There are times, I know I'm a faith guy, I know there are people that say, oh, you can't live your life by signs. Yeah, in a way, correct. You gotta live by the word of God and his direction, the Holy Spirit. But God will give you signs in your life. 
God, matter of fact, loves to give you signs along the way to keep you going. Like if you're on a road trip. How many of you have ever been to the Grand Canyon? You ever driven there? Yeah. And you drive there, and all of a sudden, 100 miles from the Grand Canyon. And you go, yeah, 100 more miles. Or you might go, ah. Oh. Some of you, another hour. Because you drive 100 miles an hour. But hour and a half left. Then 50 miles, another sign. Then 35, then 20, then 15. Five miles, one mile, make a right. And so each time, what happens? You get excited. You tell the kids in the back, hey, one more mile, we're going to be there, yay! Okay, inspiration. Each time, you're inspired, and that's what God wants to do. God gives us signs from him. How about, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased? That was a sign. Remember that when Jesus was baptized? You would say, sure, he said that to Jesus, but he says that to you too. You're my beloved daughter. You're my beloved son. If you listen to it, if you go to church, if you have church, and understand that God's talking to you. God, listen, because, you know, we just need to have church and more worship, and we need to do this because we want God to show up every time. Okay? Let me just tell you, God shows up every time we gather. It depends on whether we recognize it. Let me tell you, wherever you're at, if you're in the midst of, of the greatest tragedy of your life. God is there. I didn't say God did it. God is there. He loves you. It's love conveyed. That's what love is producing for us on a daily basis. See, it's really huge when we gather corporately, when you attend church. I want every person in this house not just to attend a service. I want every person to make a connection and have a conversation with God. Every single time we gather, I want you to have a connection with God. Sense his presence, and I want you to have conversation with him. So, number one, church is a connection. Number two, church is a conversation. And number three, church is a commitment. This is so important. Jacob, in the story we read, makes a commitment. Scripture says Jacob made a vow. When God spoke, Jacob made a commitment to God. We must realize our response to God speaking is we make a commitment. That's how we converse to God. Let me, let me just ask you this. If you tell God something you think he didn't know, do you think he really knew it? So my conversation with God is really a commitment to what he said to me. And so when God says something to me, turn left, then I, I have a conversation with him. I just heard you say that. Is that was that you, Yes, it's me. I love you. You're my son. And I, I got a, a great future for you. And I want you to go this way. I want you to do this. Okay, I commit to you. So your conversation then begins to turn into a faith confession. Hmm. We make a commitment. Jacob did. Let me tell you, when you're on a road trip, you don't commit to go halfway. You know, kids, we're going to the Grand Canyon, 100 miles away. We're going to go 50. We'll get close. This is what God wants. What Jacob does is what only his grandfather had done according to Scripture. He said, I'm going to give a tenth to you. I'm going to tithe. Now, hold on. Don't shut me out. Abraham gave a tenth, and he built an altar at Bethel, he had an encounter with God. 
Any true commitment will always involve your wallet. I need to hear at least one amen. Okay. Yeah. See, I I notice it. When I say things like that, everybody's head just goes... This is what God wants. What Jacob does, again, is what only his grandfather had done. He said, I'm going to give a tenth to you. I'm going to tithe. What we see with Jacob is after this encounter, he acted with the tenth, which means he was invested into it. He was invested into the plan He was invested into the future. He was invested into the church. He was invested into experiencing the presence of God. He was invested in in the conversation. He was invested in correction. He was invested in all these these things that we've talked about. Matthew 6.21 says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart follows your treasure. If you want your heart to be in the house of God and your heart to be after the things of God and your heart to follow God, put your treasure there. Now, we're going to see in this series that part of the treasure is not just your money, it's your gifts and it's the time that you give. So what I'm telling you is the tenth works in every aspect of our life. Giving of your finances, giving of your gift, giving of yourself, giving in all these areas. It works for God. It will work for you. And what happens in the church is we say, well, you know, you know, they're, they're really gifted and then they do that and I'll just come and I'll just, you know. No, no, no. God wants you to invest. If you're in business, God wants you to invest 10% of what you do into the areas, the people you touch in the business, outside the church. Because why? You can have church there. Because the presence of God is there, and it brings correction and direction in your life there too. So what we're learning is that what love conveyed is that God is always with you everywhere you go. And he directs you in that. Churches of people who have committed and invested into the kingdom of God. The Bible says, if you will tithe, I will open the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing on you, you'll not be able to receive it. In other words, this says you will be able to give more. How many people say, well, I don't know if I can give that. When you give, you're going to be able to give more because he opens the windows of heaven. Remember the ladder? The prayer? Okay, see, because we don't recognize that's what love did. Remember who the ladder was? Who the ladder was is Jesus. It's based on his work, not mine. And so I can walk in victory because why? The love of God is conveyed 24-7. Amen. Also, if you do this, Scripture says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. You don't even have to yell at the devil or tell everybody it's his fault while you're going through what you're going through because if you are walking in this lifestyle, of commitment, and you're faithful to it, God's going to be your your lifeguard. God's going to be your bodyguard. God's going to take care of every kingdom result in your life. Amen. So let me finish with this thought. We got another hour left. Just kidding. So remember symbolic, remember the time frame. Let me go quickly here. Why is he going from Beersheba to Haran? Beersheba is a southern city on the southern border of Israel. In other words, 
you cross into Israel, you're in Beersheba, the southernmost city. Haran is right across the border on the northern part of Israel. Beersheba is to southern California, the southernmost city is Imperial Beach. If you know the geography of California. Haran is Brookings, Oregon. On the other side. When you cross the border, Brookings. Why is he going from Beersheba to Haran? Well, let me tell you. Jacob's name means a liar, a deceiver, or a manipulator. The reason he did this trip is because he had just manipulated his father and given him the blessing of the oldest son, the firstborn, which is Esau. Esau means twice the inheritance. So let me explain to you what he did. He fooled his dad. His dad gave him the inheritance. So the inheritance, let's say, was $300,000. Jacob got $200,000 and Esau got a hundred, and it's supposed to be the other way around. Because Esau, as the oldest, was to take care of the family. Remember he dressed up like Esau, put, you know, hair on his arms and everything, and he gave him a blessing. Esau comes home and finds out about what Jacob did, and he lovingly in the Bible says, I'm going to kill him. I'm asked the question, why from here to here? Esau was a hunter and very good at tracking and killing wild animals. He could track Jacob in a heartbeat. Now, let me just tell you in the story, if, if Esau was good at badminton, I don't think I'd be too afraid of him. But he was a hunter. So the story goes, Jacob says to his mom, what do I do? Because his mom was the one that helped him deceive. Mom says, run for your life, son. Go to Oregon. Go as far as possible. And the mom says, we have relatives in Oregon where your father and grandfather found their wives. And this is what happens in life if we're not listening to the voice of God. Oh, dad and grandpa found a wife. Maybe I'll just go there and won't die and I'll find a wife too. So Jacob is on his way to Oregon. He goes 40 miles the first day. Now, the normal day of walking is 20 back then. Let me tell you what Luz, and they go to he, first day to Bethel. Remember the story last week. Luz means crooked or perverse. Which is exactly what Jacob was before his encounter with God. It means going in the wrong direction. That's where Jacob was in his life. He was going in the wrong direction. He gets there and has to camp. And here God meets him and he makes his commitment. Okay, God, I will serve you. And for 20 years, he serves his uncles. And after 20 years, God speaks to him. Genesis 31, verse 13. I am the God of Bethel, house of God, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land and return to the land of your family. Go back and face your past as a new man. You're no longer a a manipulator. You're no longer a deceiver. So the question is, how does he do it? (laughs) He's still afraid. He sends all his family before him. (laughs) You face him first. Maybe you can... And, And you read the scripture, you read the story, you think... No, Pastor, let me tell you. I know how we are. We're afraid of something. Can you do that? Can you handle that for me? In that encounter, he actually wrestles with God. Remember, he stops at Beth. He wrestles with God. And why did he wrestle with God? It's very simple. Remember, he made a commitment. Remember, he's going to give his life to him. Once Jacob realizes he's God, he says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me, until you change me. That's what's happening there. 
He says, I am not going to leave you and handle my past until you change me and I begin to walk in kingdom realities and walk in the blessings of the Lord. And that's what church is. It causes you to make that commitment to give that tent so that you will say to God, change me so I can face my past and get to my destiny. So God says, okay, I will change you. And he zaps his hip. And he limps the rest of his life. See, God does do things better. No, he doesn't. We, we must understand, God says, from now on, son, you're not only, you're not going to be able to do things and rely on yourself. The rest of your days, you're going to rely on my strength. And that's what I'm asking you. That's what church is, folks. It's you getting to that place of all we covered. I'm not going to go over it again to get to the place where you rely on God's strength. What God said, the correction that God gives. And you know what it does? It brings you back to a high respect of the body of Christ, the church. Now, the church is made of people. Do people make mistakes? Okay? I have peers that have made mistakes. I was a supervisor overseeing hundreds of pastors for six and a half, seven years. Affairs, alcoholism, you name it. Pastors face the same stuff everybody else does. I've had to remove pastors. I've had to correct pastors as the authority in the district. But here's, here's my point to you. Is that we have to understand when we talk about church, those watching online, we're not perfect, but the presence of God is. God's love is perfect. And if we restructure, correct, GPS and get ourselves back in line of absolute love and respect and honor for the church and what the church is all about, then we're going to see a mighty move of God greater than we've ever experienced, not only in the church, but in our personal lives. How many of you can relate to Jacob? Wrong turns. That's church. A church is a place where you can come when you're struggling and you can make a connection with God. Everything that I do, everything that I, I just absolutely dive after is to create an atmosphere whereby people can come in and connect with God. If they don't connect with me, fine. But if they connect with God, I'm happy. But in connecting with God, you're hearing his voice through me by teaching the word of God. So what I'm, am I saying there? Then there needs to be, even though there are a lot of pastors that aren't, aren't perfect like me, that there needs to be high respect and honor. Amen. And when we do that, what, you know what happens? then we highly respect one another. And when one another come in and you're struggling and you're frustrated and you're in ministry and you're just like, and you're like that at someone in the church, we're big enough to handle that. Amen. And we put our arms around you and what do we do? Correct you? No, 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 no put our arms around you, and lead you to love. God's love, his presence. And let the Holy Spirit move in the situation. 
Isn't that simple? But we make it so hard. Why? Because we don't understand love, and because we don't understand God's love, we don't understand the church. And because God teaches you, you can fulfill your commitment that you make. There it is. I committed myself to the call, even to the point of rejecting relationships, rejecting a lot of money. I worked for AAA Insurance Company and was being trained at the main office in Dearborn, Michigan, and worked with all the CEOs and everything, and they all wanted me to work with them, go to school. They were going to pay for school, all kinds of things. But I knew I was called in the ministry. I would have started back in 1978 when I was two years old. No, I'm just kidding. Nine, 1978, I would have started 1978 making $75,000 a year starting salary. And when I got my first position in ministry, I was making $200 a month, working 25 to 30 hours a week. I made a commitment to my God that I will do what he's called me to do and he will honor me, he will bless me if I will give of that tenth and more. So in today in, in lifestyle, in many different areas, my wife and I give almost now, the last two years, 30% of what we make to tithe, to offering, to giving to people. Why do we do that? because I made a commitment to my God from the very beginning. I will do what you ask me to do. doesn't matter. I will lay down my life for your people. And I've done that for almost 45 years. And I have found the kingdom of God works. And I have found his love conveyed to me because I understand it, it's powerful. Let's all stand. Amen. Let's be real with each other. Let's recommit ourselves. Let's hear God. See, when I'm saying that, I'm thinking, let God cause you, his presence cause you to recommit yourself. Don't do it for me. Don't. You're watching online? Don't do it for me. But do it for the love of God. He's conveyed to you. He's called you. He's gifted you. He laid his life down for you. No greater love than one that laid down his life for a friend. And when we lay down our life, for the body of Christ. There's nothing but great things for the future. In Jesus' name, I proclaim a blessing over every person in this house. Not because I proclaim the blessing, but because love conveyed will show you his presence and all that's included. May you walk out of this place with joy in your heart and a recommitment to the body of Christ and a correction in your own life of the way you think about God, about worship, about church, about people in church. May God restore your hope and your dreams that you have lost because you dishonored the love of God. You dishonored the church. And today now, because we know our faith can reside in us in such a way 
that explodes out of us and we become a blessing to the kingdom everywhere we go. Pause it for a second. Anyone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, today's the day you can do it. The Bible says to believe in your heart, Jesus Christ died, rose again on the third day. That you believe that he is Lord and confess with your mouth that he is Lord. The Bible says you shall be saved. And then you start the same journey all of us are on, the presence of God. Anyone here could say, Pastor, I want to know the Lord today. Anyone raise your hand? Upstairs, downstairs. Everyone here, I believe, hopefully, you're born again. Guess what, church? You need to bring the unsaved with you. Bring your neighbors and friends. Amen. In Jesus' name, I proclaim salvation. Those that are watching on screen, some of you are receiving Jesus Christ right now. In Jesus' name, you now have become whole. And now you start that journey. Thank you, Lord, for all you're doing at Valley Community Church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have an amazing day.